Some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say that he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host... David Hackett! Right, joining me today on a journey, I've got no script in front of me, I've got my phone if need be, but I don't use a script, is Susie Quattro. Now, people in England and Europe know Susie Quattro. I'm in America, Susie's American. I've got a wife who's American and she's not heard of you. Susie, first question is, why is it that no Americans have heard of you? You know, there's a documentary out that was at the top of the Amazon charts for a long time. It came out the end of 2019 called Suzy Q. Um, it's done fantastic, especially in America. They covered it ridiculous. And it kind of does explain that whole thing. Um, I, I relocated here like Jimi Hendrix did. Um, and then I had my first success here like Jimi Hendrix did. And then I went back to America in 19. I had my first hits everywhere else. 1973, it started. Then in 74, I went back to America with my English band mm. and started a tour there. And as Mike Chapman so rightly says in the documentary, there's a couple of years there, like 73, 74, when all this stuff that was happening on the other side of the world, it just didn't quite marry into the United States. I don't know why. When I was there, when I first started the tour there, everybody knew me, very yeah. cold, you know. Um, but all I heard on the radio was the Eagles and Linda Ronstadt. So... Debbie Harry says in the documentary that maybe I was a little bit early. I made it over here and they were more ready for it than they were there. Then, of course, I mean, I had a lot of album success. I did a lot of tours and then I did Happy Days and that turned me into a household name. That was one of the most popular characters ever on Happy Days. So then then along came uh, Stumbling In, Million Seller, you know, And, uh, and then I didn't tour America for a long time because I had kids. And I was based in England and I started doing a lot of acting. I did musicals. I wrote a musical. And then when I got divorced, <laughs> um, which is very sad, like they always are, I then dove back into my music big time. And that was in about 1993, 94. And since then, it's been like a freight train, you know, yeah. it's been like a freight train. I can't <laughs> believe all the good things that have come my way. And they rediscovered me in America with the documentary, all of a sudden, everybody went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so however they came to me, it doesn't matter. Susie Quattro playing Rather Tuscadero makes no difference. They still discovered me. <laughs> well, my wife is watching Happy Days at the moment on DVD. I know you won't be able to see much of it, but she, we got the first season of Happy Days, and she's watching that, so she's just like over the moon that you said about Happy Days. But... My next question is, would you say you're adapted now to being in Britain so much because you've been in Britain so long? No. (laughs) I am, always have been the same. I've kept my passport all these years. I've kept my accent all these years. I am the girl from Detroit City living in Essex, and I'll never be anything different. My heart and my soul is in Detroit. And I hear a lot of it on the new album. There's a lot of tracks that everybody has said, oh, that's Motown. I said, well, sure. I was grown up there, you know. Um, no, I'll never be British. I love it here. My kids are British, you know. But um, no, I, I am American. You can't 
change your roots. 21 years, born and raised. That's yeah, who you are. That's what I was learned when I first came to America. Someone said to me, why don't you adapt to being a certain way of talking about American? Because I still have my British way of talking. And I'm like, no, I'm British. No. You don't take that away from me. No, there's nothing, there's nothing worse, I think, than losing your roots. I am who I am. Yeah. End of story. Sure, I can fit in here comfortably. It's fine. But I'm not British. <laughs> you know? It's good way about it. And I like that. So, talking about the new EP that you've got coming out. New album. The album. EP, what was is, the... different. EP is different. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I should know that. I should know that. Album. What was the inspiration behind it? Well, um, my son wanted to write with me for many years. He asked me maybe four years ago. I didn't think he was quite ready. He's been in band since 14, so he's done his homework, you know. And uh, then he asked me about two and a half years ago, but he didn't ask me. He said, I have to write with you now. I went, okay. So he started to write. We made no control, which was very, very critically acclaimed all over the world. And um, we got our blueprint from that we knew how we worked together and this time 219 was uh one of the highest years of my entire career because no control came out to great critical acclaim the documentary came out at the end of the year sat at the top of the amazon charts and the apple charts so it was a big success and then 220 should have been even bigger and we all know what happened there than the yeah. pandemic happened so richard should have been on the road with his band and i should have been on the road with mine at 85 shows in the book and the company had taken up the option for the album. So the lockdown came and I just said to Richard, okay, we didn't know when we would be able to do this because we were too busy this year. So now that this has happened, we're gonna use the time and we're gonna write the album. And he worked in the studio cause I'm more old school. I work acoustic, you know, piano or bass or something but I work acoustic. And we started to write in March, we wrote uh, recorded and released all during the pandemic. And I myself, I found the inspiration in this time to be incredible. And if you've yeah. heard the album, you'll hear it on there. Wow, the things it was doing to my brain. Every single song I went down deep to the depths, you know. So for me, even though it's been horrible, no gigging and horrible, my husband lives in Hamburg and I'm based here. So we haven't had a lot of time together, even through all the horrible stuff. It has been creatively an absolute dream for me, this situation. Mm. I get that, really do. So when you were growing up, what was your biggest inspiration in listening to music as a whole? Well, that would have been, first of all, Elvis Presley. I saw him at five and a half. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm not a bullshitter. I say just like it, I saw him at five and a half on TV. Five kids in the family, everybody was watching. The eldest sister by nine years started screaming. And I went, you know, five and a half, why are you screaming? I didn't get it. So then I looked at the TV and it was Elvis. And I kind of went into the television, I always remember it, and a little bing. And I just thought, I'm going to do that. Don't ask me why. How could I have known that? I don't know. So the, he was a big inspiration. Then I studied music, studied music. Then at 14, we started the band and I was given the bass to play. I play um, classical piano and percussion property. I was trained. Bass, I taught myself. Another light bulb moment, bass on, bing. This is what I'm supposed to do. 
And uh, we formed a, a girl band and we toured and toured and toured. Then when, what, what was next? So at 18, I saw Elvis on the comeback special and decided leather was for me. Then at the age of 19, the band changed and it became a heavy band, which I didn't like. And it was decided that I would step back from being the complete front person, bring my little sister in and she would sing. So I stepped back and didn't do maybe three or four songs a night, that's all. And um, at that point I became brilliant on my bass. Also during those years, Otis Redding, Bob Dylan, huge influences, mm -hmm. both of them. So then uh, I was a little bit in the back. Too well, I'm sorry we're having a problem. We'll try and get it to you as soon as we possibly can. I went on a different. I went on a different computer. So I was in the kitchen. I came in here. Okay, so we can continue. Sorry, yeah. where were we? Right. So we were talking about your influences in music. Jim, you know, Jimi Hendrix, Elvis Presley, etc., etc. Is and that? You, and this is where we went off. Yeah. Okay. So, joined the Pleasure Seekers. Um, Otis Redding was a big influence at that time. Bob Dylan was a big influence at that time. I was the main front person. We were kind of a show band um, because it was a girl band. So that got us the gigs to be a show band, um, which I didn't really like, but it didn't matter. I was still out there with my top hat on screaming, do you love me? You know, so whatever. Um, then we changed the group in 69 into Cradle and it became heavier and uh, started to write all our own material. And I didn't like that band so much and I kind of took a back seat. Um, because my little sister was brought in to be lead singer. So I changed position and became mainly the bass player, which was great because it made me a really good bass player, obviously, before I was the bass player front person. So then I got to really concentrate, so that's excellent. Then uh, two record companies saw me at the same time, uh, Electra Records and Mickey Most from England, same week. They both saw the band. They didn't like the band. They both offered me a solo contract. Electra wanted to make me into the next Janis Joplin, and Mickey wanted to make me into the first Susie Quattro. So, done and dusted. I went to England. Um, and uh, I had seen Elvis in 68 on the comeback special, so that was cemented in my head that leather was my image. Uh, by 1972, I formed my English band, and by 1973, I had my first number one all around the world. And that amazing feeling when you reached number one for the first time, I bet you was over the moon just hearing the news. Yeah, it's kind of, um, well, luckily I was brought up in the business, so I didn't have a crazy viewpoint of it, you know, feet on the ground. I remember my first thought being, wow, all, all the work was worth it, me having my vision it was worth it to stick to what I wanted, you know. Um, and then And then we went out for a drink at the local pub where we lived in our little flat in London, right after Top of the Pops had been on, which is the music show. And I walked in the pub to get a drink and there was, I got mobbed. And I, <laughs> I just went, what? So all of a sudden I realized in that moment, my life had changed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's okay so, with me. <laughs> <laughs> so Top of the Pops, your highlights of that being on top of pops, I can imagine, like any singer I've spoken to or anyone who's been part of it, that's an iconic moment as well. Because 
of the history behind it. And I remember listening to a Topical Pops 2, you know, the old retro ones, and it did feature you back in the day when it was your, and I was like, wow. And Can for Can, you know, just naming one of your famous songs. It's just amazing how much you've progressed since then. And even songs, even today, just makes it special, I think. Well, I like to think that I have longevity because I'm real. I've always been real. <laughs> like me or hate me, I've always been real. Um, I, I knew from a very young age that I, I didn't have a niche to fit in. I was a square peg in a round hole my whole life. And so because of that, I had to find a niche to fit in. So I didn't have any agenda. I didn't think, hey, I'm going to change the world for girl musicians. I didn't, that didn't even come into my brain. I was simply not compromising who I was for anybody. And this is why it was successful. And this yeah. is why so many people followed after me. I kicked down the door because I didn't see the door. And even it further didn't, that door made it special because you had your unique take on life. And even today, I can see you still got that unique take on life. And that is a good oh, oh, you, Yeah, you can see it in my eyes. Oh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm just who I am. You know, I don't insist you like me, but I won't change for you. <laughs> I won't compromise myself. You know, I love what I do. I'm genuine. I'm the real thing, you know. I make the music I love. I write the songs I love. I do the gigs I love. I'm a real, I'm an honest, real artiste. Mm. And would you say any modern day singers are trying to be like you now? Or are they trying to make it their own style but with the mold of you? I didn't get that. Say that again? Basically, modern day singers. Would you say there's any modern day singers that mold themselves after you? I don't know any modern day ones that have done it, but well, I will say what Mike Chapman said in the uncut version of my documentary, and he said it, I didn't say it. He said, my, my producer from years ago, not now, uh, every single woman that came after me, every single one owes something to me. That's how he put it. Those are big words. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a poignant word because you think, Oh, I must have done something. So, you're hopefully going to go back on tour as well. This, is it this year or next year? I forgot. Look, going on the road again, you mean? Yeah. You know, I everybody keeps asking me that. I don't have that answer. Who knows? Every day I have a gig list here. Every day it gets changed. You know, yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Yeah. No, it's crazy. No, nobody knows. And everybody keeps asking me, and I don't have the answers. So every day the rules change. One minute we're going to go to our apartment in Mallorca. Then on Monday it's illegal to fly out of England. So who knows what's going on? Yeah. You know? And get behind the tie for the country. It's just sense. nuts. It's just nuts right now. So let's just hope it gets back to normal sooner or later. So I assume that COVID has really affected you badly, where you feel so stuck in not able to go anywhere, not being able to tour. Well, I'm okay with it. Um, it is what it is. I'm not the only one suffering, so I try not to go to that place. Um, the hardest part, well, what's hard for me is my whole marriage is built on travel because my husband is based in Hamburg and I'm based here. And and before the pandemic, we just jumped on a plane and went one to the other. Not now. 
and my whole life is built on people and travel and concerts. So for me, it's a real change of life. But luckily, I have found the the heaven of creation in this pandemic, and I have been having a wonderful time producing songs, writing songs, being the artist that I am, communicating in every way but from the stage. The media is this. This is now my stage. The media. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, since the pandemic started for me, you know, I'm in America, as you gathered, but I've been doing podcasts and I've been exploring people's journeys because everyone has got a journey. And, you know, when I came across the production company that sent me the information about you or what I said, Fred, I had last week, I was amazed because I thought singers do have journeys, artists have journeys, bands have journeys, so why not investigate and go into seeing what makes a singer tick? Because music is a journey. You it know, is. When you, yeah, 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 it know, is. When you find songs and create songs, you don't think, oh, I'll write these words and they don't mean anything. All are, you songs, are you kidding yeah, me? Exactly. Songs are meaning. Oh, my God, I go so deep down, I'm like ready to faint by the time I get the lyric out that I'm trying to say. I go way deep down. No, I mean, I I create from my heart and soul. So, always, I always so, have. So, can for can, I'll say that one again. What was the inspiration behind that song? What, what, what do you mean? What was the inspiration and word meaning behind can for can? Behind what? Your song, Can for Can. Oh, my God, you're going back to the beginning now. Why are you talking yeah. about that? Um, <laughs> I'm, I like I'm here talking about my new album, and you're talking about okay. Can the Can. Okay, let's talk about your new album. Yes, let's. I didn't write Can the Can, so you have to ask Mike Chapman what his what his okay. reason was. Don't ask me. I interpreted it. <laughs> right now, your meaning behind your new album, since we're talking about the album. <laughs> See, this is what I like. We are natural, and this is what I like about interviews. Totally. I eat what you see is what you get. The Devil in Me, da, da, da. Um, it's had unbelievable reviews, embarrassingly good. And I say embarrassingly, they are gushing over it everywhere. So I'm so happy with that. Um, even on CNN the other day, they did a big interview. They played all three videos, not all of it, of course, but all three videos. And people are calling it a masterpiece and that this... Uh, this partnership is, is magic, and they're comparing us to the old Chin and Chapman, and it's just beyond. So whatever has happened to this pandemic, creatively, it's been very good for me. And I am not done speaking. I'm not done playing. I'm not, not done being. And I will keep going until I drop down, and that's me. <laughs> and I applaud that because that is amazing just to hear because people, like you said, in England, Europe, hopefully America now, will say, that's Susie. And they will remember you for that legacy, saying Susie will carry on literally no matter what. And I like that a lot, really, I do. Good. <laughs> so, so it comes out tomorrow, The Devil and Me. There is three videos available on YouTube. I don't know if you've seen them, but, but you should. The okay. first one was the Christmas song, My Heart and Soul, Make You Cry. The second one was The Devil and Me, the title track. And the third one, very unsettling song called I Sold My Soul Today. Um, you should watch it, and you should watch the DVD if you haven't, Susie Q. It will answer all your questions that you've asked on this yeah. interview. It's a shame you didn't watch it before you talked to me, because you would know the I answer. I know, but 
I didn't know there was a DVD or yes. any documentary out. I was, all, I was only told this is the album. Susie's promoting it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not now. You know your homework, okay? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'll just homework. <laughs> but you know, have you been to a concert? And I'll go back to the past a bit, but even now. But was there a concert where you felt like you didn't any any real positive, or was it always been positive? My every, time, every every time you've been performing, has there been any negative? Oh feedback? my god, I wouldn't do it if I didn't feel that way. Yeah. Oh my god, that's such a big part of me. I I stand on the side of the stage and think, are they going to like me tonight? And then I take the step into the footlights, and then I work until I drop over. You know? Oh my god, no, I've never had unsatisfactory. No, no. Good, good. I wouldn't do what I do if I did. I would stop. I would say time. Time to hang your suit up and go home, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Totally, I do. Um, so, if you was to make a difference tomorrow, because you speak like talking about present and future now, if you was to change anything for the better and you was to say a message of hope to anyone, what would you say to anyone listening to this? I would just say, um, and this is a good place to end it too, I would say that... Uh, I'm talking about these times right now. I'm a glass half full optimistic person. That's my nature. But when you have to hit the wall, which we all have done during this past year, you know what? Hit the wall and do it with everything you got in you. Hit that wall, cry, scream, pound it, do it, and then you'll feel better. There's no shame in hitting the wall. I've done it myself. Yeah. Susie Quattro, good luck with the album, and thank you for being part of the journey. I know it's been half an hour on the adult technical issues but okay. that's not the out. Thank you very much. I'm going to go eat my dinner now and have my glass of champagne. But and thank you for supporting me. That was The Journey, hosted by Wise Words Imaging, hosted by David Hackett, produced by Melissa Hackett. Be sure to like, subscribe and listen to another journey coming soon.